So this morning is the last Sunday uh, in the church year. Next Sunday, uh, December 1st, is the first Sunday in Advent, and it rolls over uh, another uh, year uh, on, the, on the church calendar. And so um, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about <clears throat> that Advent, uh, which will begin next Sunday, starts in the darkest part of the year. I think part of that is by design. Uh, because uh, the advent of Christ is, um, uh, you know, the only light, the only real light uh, that comes uh, into this world. And so uh, just keep that in mind as we enter into, uh, after Thanksgiving, uh, next Sunday, uh, the season of Advent. We're going to read Psalm 46 this morning. It's a well-known uh, psalm, a, a one that is uh, I, I, I particularly uh a helpful uh, psalm to those who are grieving or fearful. Uh, and so um, it's, a, it's a good one for us to end uh, this particular church year on. So let me pray, and then uh, I'll read to you Psalm 46. Lord, we come to you today confessing our smallness and our weakness. We uh, would like to boast in our ability. We would like to boast in our wisdom and in our planning and in our uh, care uh, of things, and yet uh, so much, in fact, most things uh, in our lives and in our world really are, are out of our control. And so in a broken and fallen world where grievous and fearful things happen, we need a refuge, we need a fortress, we need a rock. And so, Lord, we are grateful this morning that in your goodness and your love and your mercy, you have revealed yourself as such to us. Forgive us for forgetting that. Forgive us for uh, uh, thinking other things provide uh, what only you can provide. And so, Lord, as we read this text... Uh, I pray that you would uh, settle our hearts, settle our minds, and help us to remember who you are. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So Psalm 46, I'm going to read all 11 verses. It's in the bulletin and also up on the screens behind me. Uh, This is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So um, 
This, this psalm is, is uh, in most uh, funeral liturgies. It's in uh, uh, one that is for centuries, literally millennia, has reminded people in the hardest, most challenging, most fearful times of their lives and uh, in their history uh, that this unchanging God uh, is strong and is our protector. And so what I want to do this morning is we're going to look through this uh, psalm. We're going to uh, uh, look particularly at a, a number of the images to kind of, to kind of help us. But what I, what I want you to think about is if God is this, if he is a refuge, if he is a fortress, uh, if, if those things are true, then how should we live? Right? Um, and, and, and the question that I think we have to see about this and the thing that has really struck me this week as I've looked at this psalm is if these things are true of God and, and if these things are true of the world where mountains slide off into the sea and, and, and terrible nations totter and all of these sorts of things, if that's true and in the midst of that, there's this unchanging, gracious, all-powerful God who has demonstrated his grace and his powerful love to us in Jesus Christ who lived, died, and rose again for us. If those things are true, at the same time, how should we live? What 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 is true, what Psalm 46 tells us, what is true, how should that motivate you and life? Now, for many of us, we are motivated by greed. (laughs) We're motivated by fear. We're motivated by anger, right? But what the psalm writer wants us to see is that he wants us to be motivated by confidence this morning. Uh, I think for most of us, uh, and particularly parents, we spend an awful lot of our time motivating our children with fear, don't we? Right? You know, if I can just make you afraid enough, maybe maybe you'll behave. Um, my father uh, grew up uh, dirt poor in uh uh, in the mountains in East Tennessee, lit- literally dirt poor. I mean, they had a dirt floor in their house. Um, and from significant portions of his childhood growing up, he had no shoes. Now, you, you hear that and you think, what a terrible thing. Actually, um, people uh, in Appalachia up until, you know, the recent uh, past uh, never wore shoes. Uh, that they just had really tough feet. And so I remember talking to my dad about this, about, you know, where they would walk everywhere and he didn't have any shoes. And I'm like, well, well, what happened when it got really, really, really cold? And he's like, well, we'd wrap rags around our feet. Um, and so I, I've always, <clears throat> I always thought that was a crazy thing. Well, as when I was a kid growing up, what did I want to do when warm weather came? go barefoot. And my dad was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what, what's wrong with you? You, you, have a, you have three or four pairs of perfectly good shoes that you could wear all the time. I grew up never having any shoes. What is wrong with you? Uh, and of course, you know, as a kid, you're like, Nothing's wrong with me. Aren't you glad you live with us now instead of, you know, uh, the, the people who you grew up with? So, you know, just don't worry about it. And so he would try to motivate us, my brother and I, to wear shoes with fear. 
Like, what happens to you if you're outside in the yard and a bear comes into the yard and you have to run through a briar patch to get away from it? It's going to tear your feet up. You're not going to be, what, what's that going to be like? And I'm like, Dad, have you ever seen a bear on our property? No. And then he would just try regularly crazy things like that to try to get us uh, try to get us to wear uh, you know our shoes he would you know tell us we were going to get leprosy and our toes were going to fall off and that we would get you know tetanus and lockjaw and all of these kinds of things <laughs> over and over and over again and it never worked really you know it, uh, it it never came to any fruition well fear usually for many of us and, and, and a particular kind of personality especially fear in the short run may motivate us to change and may motivate us to to address some things. But the fact of the matter is, over the long haul, fear is not a very good motivator. Uh, and so what God wants us to see and what the psalm writer wants us to see here is that in the midst of a world that is hard and harsh, difficult, challenging, uh, in the midst of that, he wants us to be motivated to live confident lives. I mean, when the, when the psalmist says, we will not fear... There's real defiance in that, that that though the world may come against us, our flesh may come against us, though the devil may come against us. The reality is that our God is a refuge and we will not fear. Pretty strong medicine this morning, isn't it? It's a pretty profound thing to think about because Brian put my notes up there because think about the world that you live in. Um, you know, one of the terrible, this is, this is bordering on making a political statement. So <clears throat> it is what it is. One of the terrible, terrible things about the impeachment proceedings that are going on in our nation right now is, uh, it's, it's taking up all of our attention and we're not paying attention to other things that are going on in the world. And some pretty awful things are going on in other places around the world. I mean, people are dying in Hong Kong. You know, that seems kind of distant from us. We probably don't pay a lot of attention to that. Um, but there are, you know, terrible, terrible things that are, that are going on in the world. My one, one of my kids is deployed on the border in Arizona. And I can tell you, a week doesn't go by that something awful doesn't happen there. I don't know what you do with bad news. I don't know what you do with, with those sorts of things. But the, the, the reality is what I do is I comfort myself by saying I'm far removed from those things. That for good or for ill, that's the way I, I, I typically uh, think about that. And if I'm, you know, a, a little bit more clued in, I might actually pray for those poor people that are suffering. But, you know, the, the fact is, those things are happening in our world, but what, what about our lives? What about what's happening to us? One of the things that is going on in, in our church this year in, uh, in some pretty profound ways is, I can't remember a time in our life where there were uh, more people uh, with deadly diseases. 
all over our church, all different kinds of ages, all different kinds of life. Um, it is, it's remarkable. Um, and it's kind of spooky and scary that these terrible things uh, just seem to come out of nowhere and afflict our friends and family. So when you, when you think of the world that way, and you realize when you, when, you know, you drop all the pretense and the things we, we need, we use to kind of anesthetize us against, uh, the things that would make us afraid. What's going to move us? What's going to comfort us? But also what's going to motivate us to live a life like there is a God who is our refuge and strength? Right, and so as we as we unpack this today, I, I, hope, I hope what I want you to come away from this with is not some kind of Pollyannish thing. That what it means that God is our refuge and strength means that the the seas roaring and the mountains falling into the into the uh, into the sea that all of that kind of stuff will uh, somehow or other never touch us. No, it might touch us. The mountain might fall on me, but that doesn't mean. That in the midst of all of that, I need to be afraid uh, because those things, uh, horrible as they may be, do not change the fact that God is my refuge, my strength, and my high fortress, right? So let's, let's think a little bit about what the, the images that the psalm writer is using for us this morning. So God is our refuge and strength, a very present help and trouble, right? So one of the things that we have to think about this is one of the great things that we kind of miss about God's character because it's so different from us is God never changes in terms of his determination to love, to bless, to be with us. That has always been the intention of God. That has always been his heart. That has always been the thing that has moved him and motivated him towards us. And, and, and though it may seem to us, as we've already sung this morning, that there are times where God seems a little bit inaccessible or it seems like we can't, we can't actually kind of get in, in touch with him. The truth of the matter is, wherever we are and in whatever circumstance we are, God is always present with his people. He is always here. He is always loving. He is always ordering events for our good. And so even if he seems uh, unresponsive for a short period of time, even in the midst of that, he has not changed. His heart, his love, his grace, they've not changed. And so this God who is a very present help in trouble, always with us, always uh, uh, for us, says this, that therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, uh, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, uh, though the mountains tremble uh, at its swelling, right? So God not only hides us in the midst of this world that is uncertain, that seems chaotic, that seems out of control, not only is he our refuge, not only is he a place where we can go and hide, but but more than that, he actually does something for us, that he he hides us, he protects us, but even in the midst of that, he strengthens us. He is our strength. 
Because it's not just something that God takes us and we passively are moved from one place to another where he can protect us. That's certainly true in, in some respects. But God's also at work in the midst of the trouble to strengthen us. And one of the things that's, that's so true for us, for all of us today, you don't know how weak or how strong you are. And you don't know what it's like for God to strengthen you or to be your strength until you're at the end of your own strength, until you're at the end of your own weakness. It, 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 and, and so as you struggle, as you live, as you, as you walk through these things, what, for most of us, most of the time, we don't depend on God for strength. We depend on ourselves for strength. Right? Until we get to the end of something where we have no more strength or we come up against something that is bigger and stronger than us, then it is at that time where the work and the strength of God becomes very real and necessary to us, where he changes us, opens us up, makes us see and understand the reality of who he is and how finite and how small we are. The weird thing about the way the gospel works in us is, you know, we get grace for sinners, we get strength for the weak, and those things, those things that are actually our deficits, rightly appreciated are the things that God uses to change us, to strengthen us, to make us people after his own image, right? So not only is God protecting us from the outside, he's strengthening us, strengthening us uh, on the inside. Next slide. So one of the things that w- we read here, too, is that he's very present. And that means that he is right here, right with us, and he is enough. He is right here, right with us, wherever we are, and he is enough. Now, that is, that is a challenging thought for many of us because I think in our heart of hearts we wonder maybe not whether he's present or not, but whether his presence would be enough to see him, to know him, uh, to, be, to be with him. One of the things that dads like to think of themselves uh, as being is protectors, right? Especially when, when, when your children are small, you know, you want to, you want to do the things that you can do to, to protect them, uh, protect them from themselves, protect them from, uh, terrible th- <laughs> things that might happen to them. Um, I was out with my boys one day when they were little and, uh, we were walking and we saw, uh, in a distance from us on the street, a really big dog that I had not seen before who's running loose in the neighborhood, threatening dog. Uh, the kind of dog, you know, that when you look into their eyes, you think, that's a bad dog, right? That dog might, might hurt us. And so I'm like, well, maybe he'll ignore us, A. And B, I hope the boys don't see the dog. Because it's very possible the dog could be right in front of them. They are so distracted by, you know, rocks and bugs and, all that kind of stuff that they might never notice that there's actually a threat right here that something bad could happen. Well, of course, you know, uh, God was very present to answer my prayer of God, don't let the dog boys see the dog with, they see the dog, (laughs) right? And the dog sees us. And so I'm thinking they probably should get behind me. 
and hide. Um, well, they are very proactive boys. So my oldest, that's what he does. He is, I'm going to hide behind dad. My younger son uh, <laughs> picks up a stick. Because <laughs> that's, that's how he's going to react to this, right? And it made me think, you know, on the one hand, that's two very interesting reactions to fearful things in the environment. But over the years, I've thought about that, like, maybe he didn't trust me to protect him. <laughs> maybe he thought it's every man for himself here. And, you know, it's like, you know, when you're being chased by a, a, a bear or a dog and there's more than one of you, you don't have to outrun the bear or the dog. You just have to outrun the other person, right? So, so, um, so, so, so the fact is, it made me think, well, I guess my presence here is not all that reassuring, Right. The fact of the matter is that uh, the one of the things that uh, the the Bible uh, values the most about our God is the promise of His presence. You know, when Moses was getting ready to lead the people into the Promised Land, he said he wouldn't go unless the presence of God went with them. You know, when Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven, he says he will leave his spirit present with his people, right? So one of the things that we have to understand about this is, is that the presence of God is, is the reminder to us of who he is to us, what he is for us, right? And so it's a, it's, it's a, it's an important place for us to kind of settle, you know, our hearts and our minds uh, whenever we come to grips with just how chaotic uh, the world is. And so the, the psalm writer looks around him and he says, uh, the earth gives way, the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. You know, there's a picture here of phenomenal uh, natural disasters. It, it made me think of California. Uh, you know, where the mountains might slide off into the, into the ocean or, or, you know, something, you know, somebody might toss a cigarette out their window or, you know, the power company might not maintain the power lines or whatever. Next thing you know, uh, the world's on fire, right? So what I think the psalm writer is saying here is natural disasters, even the ultimate natural disaster when, when God comes uh, finally to overhaul the earth once and for all, uh, in the midst of all of that and what seems so sure, the mountains, they seem like they've always been there. They're never going to move, uh, uh, move. And yet uh, natural disasters can come and actually move mountains. And we look at the sea and we see that it's restless. Uh, we see that it's always moving, always churning. Kind of, kind of scary in some ways. Uh, some of the best advice I've ever gotten is, you know, never buy beachfront property because, you know, it rolls in, it rolls out. One day you get a house there, the next, you know, that you're three blocks from the beach and then a good storm comes through and you got waterfront property, right? So, so the fact is, as we look around us, the world is churning. It is affected by sin and the fall, uh, and it is bigger than we are. And it can be a very fearful thing to us, right? And so the mountains, though the mountains shake into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, these words here for shake and roar are the same words used in verse 6, the nations rage and roar and the kingdoms totter and shake. So the point of using these same words like this is to show that whether the threat to us is from nature, 
with earthquakes and floods and storms, or from political upheaval and wars, whether our world is shaking from nature or from the nations, God's our refuge. Regardless of the political situation, regardless of the cultural situation, regardless of the situation that we find ourselves in with nature, in the midst of all of that, the reality is, and what the psalm writer wants us to understand is, these things flow in and they flow out. These things are always in flux, and they are essentially, for most of us, out of our control. Now, you can plan, you can save, You can do all of these things, and you should do these things. Nothing wrong with planning and nothing wrong with saving. But we plan and we save in the midst of the difficulties that we experience, recognizing that that planning and that saving won't save you. It will not. Don't trust it. Don't trust it. And don't be afraid. Don't be motivated to plan and to to save simply by fear. Be motivated by the fact that God is our refuge and strength in the midst of a world that is so chaotic, in the midst of a world that is so uncertain, right? So whether the threat to us is from nature, from political upheaval and wars, whether our world is shaking from nature or from the nations, God's our refuge, unchanging. Always true, always available, always strong. Next slide. One of the things that I think is profound about the way the psalmist writes this is he sees the ocean, he sees what a terrible thing it is, and then he goes, it's it's waters roaring foam. Then he says, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Uh, the Old Testament sees this, uh, one of the, the great things, the thing that makes a city secure is the fact that it has a river in the middle of it. Now, why is that? Because uh, if you're in a walled city and when someone comes to take your city, they, they set up a siege around you. And when people set up a siege around you, one of the things that they want to do in that is deprive you of food and water. If you have a river running through the middle of your city, you have water. So even in the midst of terrible things like that that may happen where where someone may try to come and deprive you of that, the fact is if you have a river running through the middle of your city, you're always going to have a source of water. Well, the, the, the same thing, that, that when you look at that and you see this picture of the river, it also should remind us that, that uh, uh, other allusions to rivers uh, running through the midst of us remind us uh, that the Holy Spirit is in the middle of us that he makes us glad, that he waters us, that he preserves our life, and that he is ultimately our reminder and our uh, uh, of the very presence uh, and the very active work of God in and through us to see us through, to, be care, to, to care for us, to provide for us in whatever situation we are, right? And so whatever the, 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 the waters may be roaring and foaming around us, the world may be teetering and tottering on edge, But within us is a beautiful, peaceful source of life. God's spirit that reminds us in the midst of things falling apart uh, that he is is with us, that he is for us. 
So God's our refuge and fortress because we can see his works, look around you, see what he does. He is sovereign over all international and personal affairs. So whatever else is going on in the world, whatever else may be happening, whatever else may be uh, going on around us to kind of knock us off pace or to uh, be disconcerting to us, the fact is we know that behind all of this and over all of this is our God. Now, you know, we have this famous text here that says, be still and know that I am God. Now, most of you hear that and it makes you feel bad because you guys aren't ever still. We don't do still very well, do we? In fact, it's virtuous not to be still. Right? You, when somebody asks you, you know, what are you up to? You want to say you're busy because that's, that's who we are. We get a lot of our uh, significance from the fact that, oh, I'm busy. It's, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm necessary because I'm busy. But the, uh, so the, the, this commandment, be still, is not just a command to put your phone down, <laughs> uh, which is a pretty good idea. Uh, actually, it's a very good idea uh, to put your phone down. But actually, when God says this uh, in this text, he's not saying to us so much to be still as he is saying to the world. It's not unlike Jesus being asleep in the boat in the midst of the storm. His disciples freak out. Don't you care that we're dying? And he gets up, says, where's your faith? And he goes to the front of the boat and he says to the water and the wind, hush. Same thing you would say to your neighbor's dog who's barking at you is a bit of an irritant. Hush. Be quiet. See, that's, ex- that's exactly what he's saying here. He's simply reiterating the fact when he says, Come and behold the works of the Lord, for he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Hush. I'm God. So all of these things that seem so big and so out of our control and and so scary and so uh, uh, wild in their approach to us, our God simply looks at them and says, hush, be still. I'm God. I am sovereign over these things. I control these things. They belong to me. I made them. I use them as I see fit. And I use them for my glory and for my people's good. Next slide. Um, he ends here by telling us uh, that uh, the, the God of Jacob is our fortress. He says that twice. And so you, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word fortress, this image for God. Uh, maybe it, it seems like, you know, a walled city or whatever. But the language here actually is uh, that God is our fortress, but it's a fortress that is high, that, that the enemy can't reach. One of the things that's true of us, Uh, If we are in Christ today, we have the confidence that whether it's cancer or heart disease, whether it's dementia, whether it's financial setback, whether it is broken relationships, whatever it is, that the things in this world that would undo us, if we are in Christ, ultimately fall away and lose. Because if you are trusting Jesus Christ today, 
It's not just that you're going to live a peaceful and comfortable life. You might not. But you can rest assured that whatever comes your way comes from his hand and his purpose is to take you home, take you eternally to a place where you can confidently rest and know that all of these things that have troubled you so much in life will never reach you. So if this is true, why why are you breathing this morning? If God is our refuge in the midst of 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 a crazy world, what are we living for? Are we living... Uh, simply to make ourselves as comfortable and as protected as we know how uh, in the lives in which we live, where we live, how we live? Or do we recognize that the world is a chaotic and troubled place that until God finally redeems it once and for all, this is the way it's going to be, and that in the midst of this, I will hide myself, I will seek after, I will rest in the fact that this God who lived, died, and rose again for me as my protector, as my fortress, and he cares for me, right? Because you see, I think one of the things that happens to us, people like us, we confuse success with significance. I know this is sounding a little like psychobabble this morning, so bear bear with me. Uh, Let me babble about this a little bit. That uh, You've heard people say um, that there's... uh, uh, the uh, eulogy virtues versus the resume virtues. Uh, We are a congregation that is full of people with great resume virtues. Competent, smart, talented, right? The problem with that is Um, much of that is motivated, I'm afraid, uh, less by a trust in the God who is our fortress, the God who is our rock and our protector, and more uh, out of fear, fear for our reputations, uh, fear that we might run out, fear that we might be viewed as weak, fear that we might be viewed as needy, right? What makes life significant is not how much money I have at the end or, or the fact that I um, saved and planned well. But what makes my life significant in the end is that I took risks for the sake of others and for the sake of this God who is my refuge because he is my refuge. I was willing to use my life and its substance as if it weren't mine as if it weren't mine for the sake of my refuge's glory and honor and for the sake of my brothers and sisters. If God's my refuge, he is my strength, then my life will, will, will have an impact because I live in light of that. If this is true, then I can be generous, I can be patient, I can be kind, I can be gentle, I can be faithful, and I don't have to be overwhelmed by a world and by a life, frankly, 
that often seems out of my control. Hear these words of institution for the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's confess our sins uh, by using the confession that's in the bulletin and also up on the screens behind me. Lord, you alone are our very present help in trouble. Our peace depends on your coming, but we have not kept watch for you. We have occupied ourselves with our own concerns. We have been given over to fear and restlessness. We have sought our own glory above yours. We have not trusted you to be our refuge and strength. Forgive us for our sins against you, Lord Jesus Christ. God with us, all creation longs for your salvation, for your pardon, and for your grace. Teach us to be still and know that you are God. Amen. Believer, hear these words of encouragement. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. So the scriptures tell us on the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and he broke it just as I do now, ministering in his name, and he gave it to his disciples. Uh, back many, many years ago when uh, Marty was uh, and, and I were expecting our, our first child, um, she, it had been such a long, hard uh, uh, process to get pregnant and to get conceived, and then she, she did, and, uh, uh, you know, it was... She was a terrifying pregnancy, and um, and in the end, uh, we did actually lose that child. He died right before he was born. But during the, her pregnancy, she would have nightmares where she would dream that he died. Um, and uh, she would often wake up in the middle of the night and wake me up in the middle of the night. Now, I uh, I don't do well when I'm, when I'm roused in the middle of the night from a deep sleep by... A frantic, because I'm assuming, you know, somebody's in the house or, you know, something awful's going on or she's dying, you know, like what is happening? And, and it takes me a while to kind of, to, and so she shook me awake one, one morning uh, 
And she's like, I had this terrible dream. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What if this happens? What are we going to do? Now, there's a good, as I've said this morning, it's good to have the Holy Spirit because at 2.30 in the morning, uh, I'm not my best self, <laughs> right? So it, would, it was very tempting to say, shut up and go back to bed and we'll talk about this over coffee in the morning. But the Lord uh, was there in our bedroom that night and uh, he prompted me, I believe, to say, well, if that happens, and it could happen, we will have to trust that he will see us through. And he did. The seas roared. The mountains fell in the sea. It was a dark period. And yet God was in that darkness with us. And he saw us through. I remember uh, being sitting in the car on the way to the cemetery, looking out the window and being just stunned that the rest of the world was going about their business. And here we were, undone. Why didn't everything else stop? I felt very isolated, very alone, until I remembered God's a very present help in trouble. He was with me, even in the darkness. Uh, and though we would, you know, it would be great for us to describe that God, that God shines his light in the darkness. God is light. There is no darkness in him. But he loves us so much he gets in the dark with us. He's our refuge. And if we ever doubt that, we can see as we come to this table and we proclaim his death until he comes uh, that this God is our refuge because he stood in our place. He shouldered the burden and he took the wrath to set us free. That's what you believe. That's what God has revealed to you. And that is your trust today. You proclaim that to a body of believers somewhere. He says to come and taste his goodness today. Uh, as the elders and deacons uh, make their way down forward to assist me, let me remind you. Uh, that the outer ring is wine, the inner rings are grape juice, and uh, uh, all the bread is bread that is gluten-free.